Up in the night, your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed, you'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to Friday the 13th The freakiest of all Fridays this is what it's all about. Yeah. It's Friday the 13th. It's the freakiest of Fridays. <laughs> In October. However you celebrate, we hope you're having a wonderful day. And this weekend is an extra. Also, we hit record <gasps> at 3.33, yes. so that's freaky. <gasps> oh. And this weekend, there's like an eclipse going on, yes. which is also freaky. I'm very excited. It's the annular solar eclipse. It's not the, I guess it's an annular solar eclipse. Ring of fire. It's going to, yeah, we're going to have some ring of fires. I'm trying to figure out the best place to watch it. Somebody said the Arboretum's doing something. I I can't figure out how to get tickets. We're members and I, I don't understand. Lord, if you work yeah. for the Arboretum. Well, it'll be too late. Probably it's too late by the time you hear this. But, but if you work for the Arboretum, thank you because it's a lovely place that we get to go visit. And there's two million pumpkins there right now. So many pumpkins. Aside from the pumpkins, if we can be near the Arboretum, if we just go to the lake, maybe like around White Rock Lake, maybe get a kayak and go kayak and watch it. Well, I wanted to take the kids, put them in the I back of the kayak. Don't know. <laughs> you think Simon on a kayak's a good idea? You need a canoe. Ooh. If it's everybody on a canoe, yikes! Um, oh, somebody's going in. Probably <laughs> several. And that yeah. water is Dookie water from oh north, yeah, nobody uh, wants to north swim suburbs. In that. Yeah, mm-hmm. we don't want to swim in that. I tried to search up Eclipse to see where the best place, and it was like, did you want a Mitsubishi Eclipse? And I'm okay right now, but maybe later. No, but I did hear San Antonio around there is supposed to be like the best places where it's going to be a total eclipse, Bonnie oh, Tyler wow. style. So if you're in that area, enjoy. Turn what a- around. God, that song. If you're in the area, you got to turn around. In a way that I can't even describe. You do have to turn around and also wear those glasses that look <laughs> fun because you have to. Everything I've read is like, but be sure you put the glasses on. So be sure you put the glasses on. And then next year in April, we're going somewhere. We got the we got the whole big shebang happening around here. We're going to be right in the path of it. Like if you look the big red zone of where the best mm-hmm. view is for the April uh, eclipse, Dallas is right in the zone. We're right in the zone, baby. We're in the zone. Auto zone. <laughs> eclipse zone. I uh, will I be wait. there with bells on. And moon's covered because it just covers up the moon, right? Or wait, the moon cover covers the sun. the sun, I guess. Moon covers the sun. Yeah. Sun's out, guns out, sun's covered, guns covered, guns. Moon's out. You know, I didn't have it. I didn't have it. Sometimes <laughs> you're ready. You're sometimes ready. it'll come to me while I'm talking, and it didn't. All I could think was spoons, and that didn't. Spoons seem to out. Make spoons sense. out. You just eat ice cream when you yeah. watch an eclipse. I or be a part of that. Uh, cheese. Oh yeah. Anything the man in the moon eats with a, a spoon. That's a new children's rhyme we're coming up Every with. Every day at noon, <laughs> the man on the moon eats with a spoon. <laughs> Every day at noon. 
when the man on the moon eats a spoon, what spoon does he eat food? I don't know. <laughs> Something weird. Anyway, we'll Shell Silverstein. It, but anyways, this guy does a bunch of cool shit that we have no control over, but we all get to enjoy. And isn't look, that lovely? Look up, but only with a filter of some kind over yeah. your eyes. <laughs> Put on For those sure. 3D looking glasses. Uh, well, today you don't need any filter between yourselves and these freaky stories that you've lined up for us today. I tried to find extra creepy ones because it is Freaky Friday. It's the 13th. So I feel like these are really good ones. And one of them that you're reading, I have specifically kept the pictures from you because I want a live reaction. I'm ready. So we'll get to that too. I'm ready to live react. (laughs) I'm ready. I'm here for it. I'm freaky. I'm feeling freaky. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. This first one is from Haley. It is called, Who or What the Fuck is Haunting Me? Dear Christy and Heather, I'm not sure how to start this story. And honestly, there's a lot to get through. So let me just get the typical love your show shit out of the way. Love your podcast. It got me through a very scary time in my mental health, and I love having a more lighthearted, spooky show as opposed to typical gruesome true crime. Please tell Petal that I love her. I will. Anyways, this story starts roughly three years ago, or at least the main haunting events do. But for some background, we need to begin about 18 years ago. My grandmother passed away when I was five years old from some form of cancer, I say some form because no one genuinely knows what happened to her. She was deeply troubled mentally, struggled with hoarding and mood swings, had begun sewing money into her clothes and purses, and hid my grandfather's pistol in the ceiling, which we didn't find until after her death. Her physical health had been rapidly declining before her death, but she never told anyone, even her own husband, the exact results of her tests and doctor's appointments. She passed away quite suddenly went into the hospital and died within a week. She left a lot of mysteries behind, and one is still following me. When cleaning out some drawers 15 years later in my grandparents' home, remember her hoarding tendencies, the clean-out was quite an endeavor, my aunt found a little angel figurine with a November banner across its chest. See photo attached. I'm the only person in my family with a November birthday, so my aunt knew that it must have been meant for me. One catch, though. The box said 1997 on it. I was born in 1999, not even conceived in 97. We just assumed maybe the box was mislabeled or she bought it used. But looking back, this was the first sign something was off about this little cherub. I brought the figurine back to my college apartment and put it on my TV stand in my bedroom. Since I don't have many memories of my grandmother as she passed away when I was so young, It was nice to have something that she bought specifically for me. So there the little angel sat, watching over me from my TV stand. But I soon realized it wasn't just sitting. I noticed that the angel would sometimes be changing positions slightly, facing different ways, but never by enough for me to genuinely be convinced that it was moving. Until one day, I went into my bedroom after class and the creepy little shit was facing completely backwards. I called my boyfriend in a panic. He's a major skeptic, I should note, and asked if he had turned it around to mess with me. I had never told anyone I suspected it was moving before. He told me he'd never seen the little angel. I sent him a picture, and he said he didn't recognize it. 
He suggested my dog probably moved it somehow and laughed it off. Here's the thing, though. I have a tiny-ass dog, and he absolutely could not have reached it. This happened a couple more times, and thankfully, I have a best friend who is quite spiritual and fully believed me. We grabbed the angel, got in the car, and took off to see the psychics at the crystal shop she frequented. As she drove, I held the figure and quickly became nauseous and lightheaded. The drive was less than five minutes. It wasn't car sickness. We brought the thing inside, and immediately, a man came up to us, asking what was wrong. Apparently, our energy was noticeably bad. I put the angel in his hand and said, what the fuck is going on with this? He held it for a moment, then said he would be right back. My friend and I watched as the figurine was handed off between store workers who spoke in hushed voices. The man came back with a woman, and I was informed that they did not think the angel was possessed, but it had been touched by some sort of playful spirit. They asked me if I lived near any schools or playgrounds. Funny enough, I had an old-ass Catholic elementary school right outside my apartment window. They assured me that nothing harmful was in my home, but suggested I cleanse the apartment and they cleanse the angel itself. But as my friend and I were leaving, the man stopped us to say something, looked at me with great concern, a look that I remember clearly two years later, but then just told us, bye and good luck. We went home and my friend clearly wanted to help me rid my apartment of ghosts, so we started the cleansing ritual by speaking to the spirit. We let the spirit know that we wanted to talk to them, and we heard a deep sigh. We were the only humans present in the apartment. Awesome. We began going in with Sage and Palo Santo, and shit just got weirder. Doors were opening and closing. The flames kept going out as soon as we lit them. And I swear, I saw the outline of a child hiding in my bathroom. Finally, we felt the space was clear. The air was lighter, and we had gotten into every crevice with smoke. As soon as we finished closing out the cleansing, my dog started staring out the window that faces the Catholic school and crying. I like to think that he was friends with whatever spirit was there and was watching him leave. After that, things were quiet and normal. The weird nightmares that I had been having stopped, and nothing else was moving without reason. So that was pretty sick. I was faced with what to do with the little angel and couldn't bring myself to get rid of it, so I placed it in an old lunchbox put it in the top of my closet, and forgot about it. When I moved for graduate school a couple years later, I knew that I would have to deal with the angel. I would have to either get rid of it or take it with me, and I didn't love either option. I didn't get to make that decision, though. It was gone. I went through and packed my entire closet. It wasn't there. The lunchbox was empty. I was both extremely confused and relieved, it had finally gone away, or so I thought. I moved about a year and a half ago to pursue my doctorate, and the angel notably did not make that move with me. I was moving in with my boyfriend, and we bought all new bedroom furniture with my graduation money and other savings. I filled the drawers from scratch, folded and placed every item in there. But just when the angel was becoming a funny story from my past, the motherfucker showed up in my sock drawer yesterday. As my fun spiritual best friend from earlier pointed out, also on a full moon. Unfortunately, as this occurred yesterday, this is where my story ends for now. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know who or what is attached to it. 
So I guess I will take my turn to ask. So what do you think? Haley, write to us and let us know you're still there. (laughs) (laughs) Haley, Haley, are you? She'd sent a picture. It looks like a tiny little precious moments, little cherub. Uh, with a crown of flowers, little baby, and a little sash that says November, like it could do no harm. No, However, it's cute. Yeah, it's, it's got clearly a cute little... possessed by a demon or something. His hand in the air is like, I'll steal your soul. And you're like, please don't <laughs> steal it, tiny baby cherub. It's a oh. very cute little cherub. That's mm-hmm. so eerie, though, to know, like, okay, that's not something that you're going to be like, well, maybe I'll, like, take it out and put it around. The-. Like, that is, you want to get rid of it, put it in the lunchbox, put it in the top of your closet, and just be done with it. And then to just discover it's missing when you crack open the lunchbox. That thing got out in the middle of the night. This is so reminiscent of me and my dolls and how they would move, but I can never really tell if they were moving or if my eyes were just playing tricks on me. These things are all in cahoots. See, maybe you had a fun little child sprite that wanted to play with your toys. And then as soon as they moved up to the attic, the kids were like, oh, okay, well, the toys are up here now. I guess we'll go play. I guess I'll live in the attic now. <laughs> you I don't guess I live in a lunchbox now. Maybe that was too small. It couldn't be contained. It needed bigger spaces. It needed to be able wide open spaces. You can tell. Oh, my it just gosh. Needs it. I like that the boyfriend's first thing's like, well, maybe your dog put its tiny paw up there and spun <laughs> the cherub around so gently. It's like, thank you for attributing such dexterity to my dog. But it's a yeah. chihuahua, and it can't do that. <laughs> if it could, you need to take that show on the road. If your yeah. dog has the willpower and ability to, like, knowingly just place items so <laughs> delicately where they need to be. We have Mitzi in the Moving Cherub. It's a dog that moves a tiny angel. $3 to watch, $5 to film. Come on in. Oh, well, oh, but for it's that price, cute. you can't beat it. I think Haley... I think you got to get to the bottom of this. If it was in your closet, who had access to it? Is your boyfriend trying to blame this on the dog? Full <laughs> well knowing that he's doing this. Because a dog can't get to the top of a closet and open a lunchbox. At least mine can't. No, he's like, maybe they flip the latch with their tiny paws. You're like, they don't have opposable thumbs. I know you. It was you the whole time. How do they even get to the top of the closet? Ugh, take it. Yeah, cats. They, can't. <laughs> they can't. Well, take it to another crystal shop with psychics. Yeah. It's very convenient to have that in town, by the way. But maybe if you have a psychic fair or a medium or somebody to like look it over and maybe give you a reading. I don't like that as you left the crystal shop, the guy's like, oh, God. Anyway, <laughs> have a good day. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> nothing, nothing. I. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> Safe travels. <laughs> like, what like, are you looking at me? Uh, <laughs> yes. I love that it was passed around the employees. Oh, the talks whispers like, oh, we got another one in. It's, there's another one. This it's November. November. It's November. That completes the, now we just need December. And then we have all of them. That's what we're waiting for December. That's, you're going to find it. I want to know the answer. And I want to know if it's injured you since you've pulled it from your sock drawer. Please, <laughs> Please write a follow in. up. Please check yeah. in. I'm worried. <laughs> We let we need to know that everything's okay. And you know, I don't want to say hit this thing with a hammer, but that's always an option. <laughs> ah, you can turn anything you want to dust with a simple <laughs> hammer. <laughs> well, Haley, thank you so much and please let us know you're okay cuz yeah. If we don't hear from you, we're going to assume that you're now, your soul is now in this tiny cherub. <laughs> the cherub is the one that typed the email to us. <laughs> <laughs> With to those quote, tiny yeah. little hands. That'd be hard. <laughs> Sinisterhood will be right back. 
And a content warning, this next story has discussions of suicidal ideation. Well, this next one is from Roxy, and Roxy didn't give a title, so I'm taking the liberty to title this, Tell Everyone I Love Them and That I'm Okay. Hello, ladies. My tale is more of a weird spiritual gift. I'm still trying to figure it all out. I should say that I am a huge skeptic when it comes to ghosts, psychics, and paranormal things. However, I'm fascinated by all of it, and I'm not discounting it. I'm just more of a, I gotta see it to believe it kind of gal. So having the experiences I'm about to share with you has really led me to being more open-minded. To start, we have to go back about 30 or so years to when I was about 13 years old. My grandfather was having some heart issues, so he had moved in with us so my mom was able to keep an eye on him. He ended up in the hospital recovering from bypass surgery and by all accounts was doing really well. So having the following dream was a bit unexpected. The dream started with me standing in a small, dark bathroom. I was looking into the mirror, and behind me was an open casket elevated on a pedestal that was illuminated in some kind of ethereal light. Of course, 13-year-old me walked over to the casket and saw my grandfather lying inside. He awoke and then sat up. Surprisingly, I wasn't spooked at all. Actually, I remember feeling a calming peace. The only thing he said is, tell everyone I love them and that I'm okay. Now keep this phrase in mind for future reference. He then proceeded to hand me a simple gold wedding band and I woke up. Dream over. I have no idea what this dream could possibly mean and why in the world a wedding band was given to me, but okay. I also decided to keep the dream to myself for fear of upsetting my mother or she would just think I'm crazy. Well, not even a week later, my grandfather passed away. I can't remember the exact cause because, again, he was doing well and was expected to make a full recovery after surgery. Still, I kept the dream to myself. Fast forward to age 25. This time, I had a dream about my deceased grandmother, my mom's mom, who passed away when I was about nine. Unlike the first dream, I can't remember our surroundings, I just knew we were together in a room, and she said, Tell everyone I love them and that I'm okay. There it was again, same exact phrase my grandfather said. I'm a bit weirded out, but okay, it's just a dream after all. She then proceeded to say, And tell Tony everything is going to be okay. Now this weirded me out more than a bit. Tony is my older brother. Why would she be mentioning my brother in some random dream? And why would she need me to tell him everything is going to be okay? It was then that I decided to tell my mom about the two dreams. After I relayed them to her, she suggested that I call my brother and ask him if they made any sense to him. Now, my brother was agnostic and liked to dabble a bit in all things. I wasn't worried he would think me weird, but I also didn't expect there to be much to the dream. Well, after I told him about my dream... He told me that he and his wife had gotten into a pretty heated argument and he got so upset that he threw his wedding band into the field behind their house. Wait, what? Did you just say wedding band? Ding, ding, ding. Some distant memory resurfaced. Could this possibly be in correlation with the wedding band in my first dream? Like, no, just coincidence, my skeptic brain rationalized. He then told me that he decided to get a metal detector and search the field for the ring. And while doing so, he said to himself, Grandma, I'm just ready to come be with you. 
Of course, this comment shook me. One, because of my dream. And two, because you never want to hear someone say they are having these thoughts. We had a long and meaningful conversation after his confession, and I would like to think that in some small way I was able to help him through a few things. It's here where things get a bit difficult for me. My brother died about a month later in a hit-and-run incident while walking down the side of the road at night. There are still a lot of unanswered questions regarding that evening. My mom always feared that he could have possibly jumped in front of the car. I choose to not believe that scenario. He had a 10-year-old and his 7th-month-old at home that he dearly loved. Unfortunately, no one was ever charged. My brother and I were close, so it didn't surprise me one bit when he came to me in my dreams. He has visited me on several occasions over the last 19 years, and during the first visit, the first thing he said to me was, you guessed it, tell everyone I love them and that I'm okay. In one of the dreams, I remember my entire family sitting in a room, my brother telling one of his stories. He was an amazingly funny storyteller. He loved making people laugh. We were all laughing, and I was so caught up in the dream when suddenly the room went dark, and it was just the two of us. He said, I gotta go. You know I'm not supposed to be here. He started to walk away and stopped and turned back to me and said, You know, I didn't even see it coming. I immediately started crying and woke up sobbing. I was crying so hard that I actually woke up my husband, and he just held me. To me, my brother's comment confirmed that this wasn't something he did on purpose, but maybe that's just my subconscious trying to console me. I recently lost my mother to pancreatic cancer. Now, I wouldn't say this was a dream necessarily, but the night after my mother passed, I was extremely exhausted and I was definitely asleep. I had taken care of my mother for the past several months, watching her body fade away and seeing the fear of death in her eyes slowly transition to wishful longing. Cancer is a bitch. The emotional toll it takes on everyone is enormous. Anyway, I had fallen asleep in bed. My husband had fallen asleep on the couch, so I know I was alone in the room. Suddenly, I was awoken by a voice, and I immediately recognized it as my brother's. If you've ever lost a loved one, you know over time, no matter how hard you try, memories start to fade away. Their laugh, the sound of their voice, but I don't care how many years go by, when you hear it, you will know it. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, it was Tony. He simply and matter-of-factly said, Mom's here. Again, I sobbed into my pillow. It's been four years since that dream, and while I've had dreams where my mom and brother are present, none of them have been ones where they communicate with me. Even after all of this, I don't believe I have the ability to speak to the dead. I've just been lucky enough to be able to experience some amazing connections with my past loved ones. I don't know why or exactly how. But I do believe in that last encounter with my brother. God allowed him to reaffirm what I already knew in my heart, that a mother and son were reunited and they were overjoyed. And I had indeed helped my agnostic brother find peace in the afterlife. Thank you for listening to my story. Even if it doesn't get shared, it felt good to be able to put it down on paper. Keep it freaky, ladies. Sincerely, Roxy. Oh, Roxy, I've had dreams like this where it's different than you just dream that like, oh, somebody was there. But I've had dreams where my 
dad is like close to me, arm's length, making eye contact, telling me something that's like, it's not long. It's like you said, a simple like message. And when we've gone to like the psychic fairs and stuff and spoken to mediums, they've been like, there's a, a visitation experience, dream mm-hmm. experience versus your brain is recalling and recollecting and whatever. And the description of like being close, someone says a specific phrase, you know, whatever to you, it, it matches up what mediums and psychics have called a visitation. Could that also just be a really, really, really visceral memory? Maybe, but it was a good message. I took it. Maybe it was just my subconscious take it, sending me messages. And those are good messages for your subconscious. Yeah. And if they make you feel better and help with healing and closure, then absolutely take those messages who knows what is out there that is sending us messages. Mm-hmm. Roxy, you've had a, a lot of loss in your life. And I'm, I'd am love to hear that you can still see like the good in all of it yeah. and take comfort in knowing that all of your loved ones are okay. And they yeah. want you to tell everybody that too. It's always hard to lose someone and you don't know what happened. You know, yeah. there's a lot of questions like, what exactly happened here? And I love that in your dream, he kind of gave you a, I didn't see it coming. This yeah. wasn't, this was all an accident. And I hope, I hope your mom was able to uh, find some comfort in that too, before she passed. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Having that worry, that confusion, and just to think about them being at peace gives you peace. Absolutely. And uh, what a beautiful thing, Roxy, you do to keep your family alive by telling their stories, talking about them. And that's uh, my grandmother had clipped out this little piece of newspaper and pasted it in the inside of one of her diaries. And I can't remember the exact phrasing, but it was a little rhyme. And that ended with, for only when you speak my last name, that is when I, my name last, that is when I truly die. So it's like, you know, it's like from Coco. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you just keep their spirit and their memory alive. So that's beautiful that you do that for for all your loved ones that have passed on. Absolutely. Sinisterhood, we'll be right back. Well, this next one is from, I hope I'm saying it correctly, Hele. I even went and looked up several pronunciations of how to pronounce this. But Hele said, if you can't pronounce that name, you can also call me Helen. So whichever one sounds better, (laughs) that's the one I'm going with. We appreciate it. But Hele, the subject line is Angels and Aliens. Hi, ladies. I've been a fan of your podcast for a few years now and appreciate the work y'all put in and your insightful and compassionate commentary. I've wanted to write into you for some time now, and your call to action about wanting more alien encounters really got a fire going under my ass. Sorry if there are any parts in here that don't make a lot of sense, as English isn't my first language, and it's hard to describe something you can't comprehend in a language that isn't your own. I hope you enjoy it either way. First, some context. I've grown up in the middle of Norway, a region known for sprawling mountains, mixing alcohol and moonshine, and terrible weather. And I kind of love it. The seasonal depression due to a lack of sun is its own issue, but there's something comforting about the clouds hanging low overhead, a dark gray that sweeps in from the open ocean. Our mountains used to be part of the same chain as the Appalachian Mountains millions of years ago, if that helps with the look of things. Further north, there are icy peaks going straight into the sea, but in my region, they look like sprawling hills from a distance, until you realize how big they actually are. This will be important later. My family loves being outdoors, 
It's my mom's one and only passion. As a Norwegian family who loves being outdoors, we also have a cabin in the mountains. My grandparents built it in the 70s, and as the family has grown, we've expanded on it. We just recently got electricity there, and water is either carried up, melted snow, or on longer stays, gotten from a river or rainwater. That is to say, it's remote. Far, far up in between marshes, blueberry shrubs, and the occasional fir tree. About a decade ago, I was a young teen and we were doing renovations on the cabin. That summer had been plagued with thunderstorms, the clouds heavy and gray of coming rain most evenings. This day, too, was gray, but the air wasn't charged with thunder as it had been the day before. I was sent outside with the dog, a cowardly golden retriever, and my mom telling me I spent too much time on my phone. To be fair, I did and still do, but I was very much being a teen about it. I trekked across a huge marsh with my dog running off leash a bit in front. I was looking for early berries to munch on. That's when I first saw it. A feather. It's not that it's unusual to find feathers outside. That's where the birds live, after all. But this feather was different. It was black and longer than my forearm. If this was an area where ravens lived, I wouldn't have been in doubt about what it was. As a young teen I was, I brushed it off. That is, until I found another one just a few meters away. A pit formed in my stomach, and instinctually, I knew that this was something special. It was meant for me. It's strange, that feeling you get when you know you're being watched. I didn't feel unsafe, but I did feel like something was watching me and my dog. The feathers kept appearing, and I, like the stupid child I was, kept following them both unsure of where I was going and why they seemed like a trail. They were spaced out about 20 to 30 meters in between and hard to see at a distance. And hard to see at a distance. Still, I just knew I was going the right direction till I stumbled upon another feather and on and on it went. Again, I didn't feel unsafe, just eerily watched and like I was being led somewhere. My dog didn't seem to notice anything being too off either, which was reassuring. The trail ended about a kilometer away from where it started, in a small ditch, a bit away from the marsh. There were a lot of early blueberries down in it, and I climbed down with my dog to pick some. The edges were covered in brush and rock, and it fit so well into the terrain, I would never have known it was there if it wasn't for the feathers leading me off trail. I was happily stuffing my face with berries when I noticed just what was wrong. Everything was quiet. Very very quiet. No birds chirping, no lemmings peeping, no wind rustling leaves of mountain birch or fir trees. The entire mountain around me was holding its breath. Thinking back on it now, I still get shivers. Panic and curiosity gripped me as I've grown up very superstitious and scared of trolls, scrumped, who are mountain ghosts, and the people under the mountains. I was both scared shitless of being in, essentially a small hole in the ground where I couldn't easily escape, but also relieved that maybe whatever it was wouldn't spot me. Curiosity won out, though, and I climbed up to peek over the edge. And there it was, sleek, black, and shining in the way that matte things do. Something absolutely gigantic was passing by in the closest valley. I couldn't see much of it, but a huge black craft was passing by, no more than 500 meters away. I would have assumed it was a military craft if it wasn't for how incredibly silent it was passing by. 
the strange metal look of it, and the way the entire mountain seemed to be at rapt attention. I can't describe it much, the look of it, just that the material looks strange and plasticky, the color of it, and the way it seemed to stretch on forever. Other than that, it's like a block has appeared in my mind, and all I remember is how I felt looking at it. Fear. I knew that if I moved even a muscle, something would happen. My dog was cowering. We both were, pressing ourselves as far down in the brush as we could. Probably half an hour passed by before I dared to move, or it felt that way at least. I knew I had seen something remarkable when comparing it to the next mountain over, the one rising at the end of the valley it had passed through. Absolutely enormous, probably a kilometer across, and deadly silent like a predator passing over. Not even an hour after it passed, the air felt charged with thunder again. I can't help but feel it's connected and that there's a reason that summer had the worst thunderstorms I can remember. Maybe something was prowling my mountains that summer, guarding something, observing something. All I know is that something, or someone, led me off the open marshes into a safe hiding place that day. And every time I see a black feather to this day, I take it as a sign to get to safety. Much later, I did learn that it's not the only mountain in my area to have possible alien sightings. If you want to learn more, Google Hesdalen Lights, which is apparently a UFO hotspot plagued with dancing lights. It's safe to say I don't go for walks alone in the mountains anymore. That's a good idea, unless you have a guaranteed feather trail to lead you to a hiding spot. A well, feather is- that is longer than your forearm. Everybody look at their forearm right now. That's huge. So long. It's huge. I it's mean, huge. even a raven, like, that's that's too big of a raven if it's a yeah. raven one. We got problems if ravens that size are flying around. If you extrapolate, like, a pigeon feather and how, you know, say that's about as long as your finger and then how big a pigeon is, mm-hmm. extrapolate an arm's length feather and how fucking big of a bird that is. It's a pterodactyl or something. And they're spaced out almost intentionally. To try to protect you. If something was being attacked or had lost its feathers, it seems like it would probably be all in one location. Yeah, you look you cut up in a feather pillow. Yeah, not a not a little breadcrumb trail to safety because they knew what was approaching. And a silent giant craft approaching overhead. Yeah, I'd want to hide from that too. Like you especially the description of everything being silent and like the mountain held its breath of like it's like nature knew like Nobody fucking move. It's happening. Yeah. I, it bums me out because (laughs) I want to think that the aliens are benevolent and that they are here just to observe or possibly gather resources or even help. I don't like hearing when people see a craft and they're overcome with fear and they're paralyzed. (laughs) I don't like that. I don't like okay. it. It's like, are you afraid because it's unknown or is it those are the villain aliens that it's like yeah. there's always the we have the ragtag team of good guys and then there's bad guys. I feel like it's probably like that with aliens. There's a big portion of them that are neutral and don't really care about us. Probably some that care a whole lot and are like, we must protect the earthlings. And then the other ones that are like, kill, kill, kill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so runs the gamut. Just like humans with everything. Mm-hmm. And then perhaps there's a whole lot of alien infighting of what's going <laughs> what to happen down there. And so a good alien's like, 
Well, I know that Gary's taking the ship out today. I better go lay my feather trail so that little girl and her dog don't get kidnapped. Kidnapped, abducted. That. They call it kidnapping. No, <laughs> napping. Human, nap me some more. I, uh, I, yeah, I like to think. His we're like, it's my guardian angel. It's like you were assigned an alien, and they've been looking out for you. Okay? Oh gosh, I love that guardian I would alien. Love- I want a picture of me and my alien. I'd frame it. I'd put it on my bedside table. If you're up, if you're up there, down there, you know you're in the ocean. Hi. Listening to me. Come on up. Introduce yourself. We could be besties. I think that that's the uh, 80s sitcom we never got to see of like me and my guardian alien. <laughs> it's like uh, Perfect Strangers, but it's yeah. you and your alien guardian. And you you do a little dance and then the alien jumps up and you grab him in your arms and you hold him like five I love that. Do you remember Out of This World? In the oh. 80s? Did you watch that? Which one was that? Oh, her father was an alien and okay. uh, was Let in look space. So he had to talk to her through this um, glowing triangular 3D yes! device that she kept in her room. Oh, my God. I remember the t- the triangle. They talked yeah. in a triangle. Hang on. Yeah. looking at images. She, I believe she could freeze time since she was half alien. I don't remember that. the logistics of how her mom and this alien met uh yeah, I, the mom, I, they probably the, explained it but i don't know what it was i know the t- it, this is bringing back an unlocked memory i loved that show oh 1987 to 1991 i must have just watched it on reruns because what's it called my father's an alien it's called My Out God. of This World. Oh, Out of This World, duh. So you're yeah. right. Yeah, you called it. It says it's um, – there's a British show also called Out of This World, but there's an American one from 87 to 91. Who is – was there anybody famous? Maureen Flanagan, Donna Pescow, Doug McClure. So the answer is no. There was nobody. Does it but explain- Reynolds is the voice. What? Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. That's the, They were like, we got to get the sexiest voice we can find. <laughs> Who – does it say in whatever you're reading how the alien and the woman got together? Yes, it says the series revolves around Evie Ethel Garland, a young girl who discovers that on her 13th birthday, her father, Troy, is an alien from the planet Antares Prime in the Scorpio galaxy. Shout out. Evie's half alien. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I'm from, too. Evie's half alien heritage gives her superhuman abilities, with most of the episodes revolving around Evie misusing her powers and causing some trouble, which she then spends the rest of the episode fixing. Only she and her family know about the alien side. Many f- episodes depict their efforts to hide her secret from other characters. But after four seasons, the series ends on a cliffhanger. Troy came to visit, and Donna <gasps> took his place by accident, ending up on Antares Prime while Troy was standed, stranded on Earth. So did Burt Reynolds make an appearance? Well, um, well he definitely did uh, the voice in the so series So he finale- switched places oh. with the mom? Um. No, switch Evie, the girl, the thirteen-year-old oh, girl. Oh, she 17. got to go to the to the planet. Well, that's cool. You get to see, you know, where your dad's been up to and stuff. He was um, exactly, and it apparently it was the voice of Burt Reynolds, but it was not physically him. If they did show him, it was like a face obscured with shadows, a surgical mask, or in the last episode, it's just a silhouette with Burt Reynolds' voice. I believe I remember that. I also believe. From memory, I could sing the entire theme song to that show right now. Could you? I want. I, I don't I know. The, I don't know the lyrics. If you can pull up the lyrics, I will sing it, and we'll see if I get it correct. Okay, the theme song lyrics right here, and let me see if I can find it. Thank you, RayBear.net, for this very homemade page. Last updated July thirteenth, nineteen ninety nine, including the Out of This World theme song lyrics. Oh, it's okay. a famous song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it? 
oh, I don't remember it being a famous song. I remember it going, would you like to swing on a star? Oh, carry moonbeams home in a jar. Oh, or be better off as you are. Or would you rather be on earth? <laughs> they changed that it? it. Yeah, I changed it. Well, that's the famous song that you sang. What song is that? It's famous. It's called Swing on a Star. Swing oh, on a Star. I didn't it's, know uh, that was famous. I thought it was just from the Out of This World <laughs> 1987 to 1991 sitcom. It was one of those songs where like Bing Crosby would cover it. This person would cover it. It's like an old standard. Like it was written in like uh, the okay. 30s or 40s and like people would kind of cover it. And so I imagine for Out of This World, they're like, it's a song everybody knows and we can just, we won't even have to pay for or, it. For young Christy was like, oh, what a banger this is. Very easy <laughs> thought, to remember, too. <laughs> I remember thinking that Boys to Men were some of the best songwriters for the song yesterday. And my dad had to be like, Lennon and McCartney, I'm going to have to teach you. <laughs> we're going to have things. to sit down, sit down right now. We're not going anywhere until we <laughs> handle this right now. <laughs> like, we just need to learn what a cover song is. That's okay. Mm-hmm. We'll teach you right now. But uh, yeah, what a show. I remember that triangle. Man, thank you for unlocking that memory. You're welcome. I yeah. imagine you can find all four seasons on YouTube, probably. Or somewhere, yeah. But we can I might have to go online. back and rewatch that. I remember she could freeze time. And hard relate, yes, I would be getting into shenanigans. If I can freeze time, you think I'm not going to use that for Do it. everything? I'm going to freeze shit all the time. Time out. Come on. Zach Morris, that was one of my favorite yep. things he could do, which now leads me to think that maybe he was half alien and had a, some sort of triangle at home. He was talking to his dad on a home plane. There planet. you go. There you go. Now well, Helle, this is quite a story. I The whole picture of this you know you just like it? these beautiful stormy mountains eating blueberries in this giant ship it seems otherworldly and perhaps it was yeah i want to do a mysteries of the norwegian mountainside. oh yeah that list that she was just quickly like i don't know we have mountain ghosts and these things and these things i was like i want to know about trolls and mountain ghosts i had to look up also how to pronounce i think it's scrumped uh, which are the mountain ghosts. But I also want to know about the people under the mountains. Yeah, what's I'd up I'd like with to that? know what that's about, too. <laughs> well, if uh, Encounters on Netflix taught us anything, if a mountain opens, that is an alien cave down in there. Mm-hmm. So that's what they are. Oh, those are the mountain people. Yeah. Now so it know. all makes sense. Yeah, that's and why that's- it's all the same. It's half Appalachian. I imagine if it was all attached, I'm bred of Appalachian hill people, Tennessee hill people. So... Maybe I'm alien, too. I don't know. I came up out of the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you came down from the Scorpio. <laughs> the Andromeda gets the uh, Scorpio galaxy on Antares Prime. Me and nice. Burt Reynolds. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Helly, for sending that in. Sinisterhood will be right back. This next one is from Aaron. Another alien story. Another one. (laughs) Subject is my face-to-face, literally, encounter with an otherworldly being. Hello, I'm horrible at intros, but you guys are the best. Let's get into it. I was born and raised in rural Oregon. My family lived outside the city limits, if you could call our small town that. And it was beautiful, but eerie. There was hardly any light pollution, and our nearest neighbors were several miles away. My siblings and I have had some odd stories from living out there, but I'm going to give you my creepiest. I must have been about five or six when this happened, but I remember this night well. Some background. Around that age, I was an incredibly hard sleeper, to the point where I slept through alarm clocks, fire alarms, and early morning vacuuming. Thanks, Mom. 
I also shared a room and bunk bed with my older sister. I got the top bunk and my sister hated it. I always slept facing the ladder because when I laid my head on the other side, she could reach up and pull my hair. Ugh, the joys and torment of sisterhood. On this particular night, I fell asleep like usual, facing the ladder, but I woke up with extreme clarity. It felt like I hadn't even been asleep. My eyes just opened. I was looking at something just a few inches in front of my face. It feels so odd to type it out now, years later, but when I closed my eyes, I remember seeing an almond-shaped head right in front of me. It was close enough that I had to look up and around to see its shape. When I go through the memory in my head, I can't see its features looking directly at it. I can only remember my peripheral vision of looking at the outline of the head and the glints on what I assume were eyes. I understood what was happening, but I felt no fear and honestly felt completely neutral. I feel that it was an intentional emotion placed on me to keep me calm. This interaction lasted a couple of seconds, and then a thought came in my head, which I also feel was intentionally placed. The thought was that I could close my eyes and it would be gone. It's hard to describe how deeply I knew this sudden thought to be true, so I closed my eyes, opened them, and it was gone. I scanned the room and couldn't see this creature anywhere in the room. That morning, I told my mom about what happened. She said, wow, what a crazy dream. After I insisted it wasn't, she sternly told me that it was not real. I learned then that this wasn't a story people would be comfortable hearing, and many years passed before I confided in anyone about it. It also took me years to sleep with my back to a window or with my eyes uncovered. Maybe my body was more afraid than my brain was. I don't think that the creature watching me sleep that night meant me any harm. I think it was simply observing me. Maybe it was curious. What do you think? I hope that telling this story helps someone else who has experienced this not feel crazy. Love for my new home in New Mexico, where there are just as many otherworldly encounters. Aaron. Isn't it interesting that both Helle and Aaron can't really remember it when they think back to it? You know, like part of their memory has been erased almost. Oh, it's like a race or like the extraterrestrials put thoughts in your head like block it out you'll be traumatized (laughs) (laughs) trying to help us see it's like a a guardian alien i like this one it was like i know you're gonna be scared sprinkle a little fairy dust on you now you're calm i'm just here to check in and Mm -hmm. i'm gonna be on my way just close your eyes that's the kind that i like Right, not um, taking someone screaming from the room or something like that. It's mm-hmm. just more like checking in, everything's okay. But that is eerie to be face-to-face with an almond shape, face-to-face with anything when you first wake up, especially on the top bunk. It's horrible. Yeah. But it ain't even a human-shaped head. It's like, oh, what the hell? And is it really tall? Is it climbing up the ladder? Yeah. Is it floating? I oh. I don't know. It's interesting, though, that once again, we see, like, for some people, it's too hard for them to comprehend this could be a real thing. And we watched in that encounter show so many people say, you know, especially if you come from a religious background, that it's hard to come to terms with that because you kind of feel like, well, then all of the foundation that I built my faith on is shattered but all that to say, what if angels and aliens are all just the same thing? Angels what if we've and all aliens. been saying the same thing for centuries, but everybody just calls it different stuff? 
fairies, ghosts, angels, aliens, all of it. It's all different types of different aliens. That's why they all look different. Some of them are mean and some of them are nice. And they're all just fighting to control us. But you're right. It's like you're I, – I do appreciate both uh, Aaron and Helle writing these in because it's – it makes me think of the aerial school students who are not like, I'm going to tell you right now, a hundred percent, it was an alien and a hundred percent that it's like, I can just tell you what I witnessed. I'm a witness. Here's what I witnessed. Everybody else can put the pieces together and figure it out. It's like, I don't know what it was, but it was something out there. And I think for both of y'all, it was something you brushed up against something and we may not all be able to point and say what it was, but you can say it happened. I was there. Mm-hmm. If you haven't watched encounters on Netflix, I highly encourage it. It's very well done and just the stories are are incredible. And now mm-hmm. that you're in New Mexico, I don't know if you know about oh, a little yeah. place named Roswell, but that's there. <laughs> so you can always check that out too. And we've seen encounters and other stuff we've been looking into that the extraterrestrials seem uh, to be drawn to areas with nuclear testing, nuclear facilities, whatever, and Los Alamos is in New Mexico. So True. you probably see some stuff over yeah. overhead. Well, thank you so much to Aaron for sending that in. This next one's from BB, and the subject line is Upstate New York Marsh Cryptid, Demon, or Just Deranged Man. Hello to you, wonderful ladies. This event happened October 1st, 2023. I live in central New York, about 45 minutes east of Syracuse. Since it was such a gorgeous fall afternoon, I decided to take my bike and go for a nice long ride along the Erie Canal. The trail is great. It's paved, there's all sorts of wildlife, and it's very popular to run, walk, and bike. At a certain point, there's an area called the Utica Marsh. There's a gravel path that splits off the main paved path. Down that path, there's a lookout tower that you can climb up that gives you a really great view of the area. I veered off the main trail and started making my way down to the lookout tower. I stopped because I saw a figure away down in the distance. I couldn't tell if it was a person or an animal. I was squinting and straining my eyes, but I wasn't sure what I was seeing. The figure never got any closer to me, but it also never got any further away. The only movement it made was side to side. It kept going in and out of the tree line. I watched for probably two minutes or so. It was a combination of curiosity and fear that just had me frozen, staring at this figure down the path. From where I was standing, I could make out no features. It almost looked like just a large three-dimensional shadow. It was all black, dark colors from head to toe. The energy felt extremely negative and threatening. Every hair on my body stood up, and this wave of sheer terror came over me. Every single internal alarm was screaming at me to get the hell out of there. I've never had such an intense feeling of dread in my life. After what I can only describe as a stare-off, I snapped out of it and took a picture of what I was seeing. I turned around and pedaled my ass as fast as I could out of there back to the main path. I got a good distance away and stopped to look at the picture I took. I've attached it to the post. Y'all, what the fuck is that? Its shoulders are so broad, its legs are so skinny, and it just looks so disproportionate. If it was a person, what the hell is it wearing? It was about 80 degrees out and not a cloud in the sky. This person would be roasting wearing all black from head to toe. I'm going to come to the conclusion that it is the Utica Marsh cryptid and leave it at that. Regardless, it was one of the scariest moments I can remember, and I don't foresee myself going anywhere near that part of the trail again. Okay, I've seen the pictures. You have not. I've kept these from you. Okay, (laughs) may I now present them to you? Please. Okay, there's two. 
Let's see. I'm going to present the first one to you first. Okay. Oh, Did I see it, movement. We're in the cloud. Pop up. Oh, Another one. Hang on, it's in the low. God damn! God damn! <laughs> it is. It's very scary. It's scary. It is scary. I'm holding my breath like that mountain hell it was on. But I have. I've looked at the. I've looked at these pictures so much over the past 24 hours, trying to figure out what it could be, like. From so two, we'll post these on our socials when we when we post this. There's like a faraway picture that's clearly from like I don't know, probably like fifty feet away on out in this grassy area. But then a zoomed in picture, and both of them, it certainly looks like a person standing exactly just like you described, disproportionate. Shoulders are so broad. Head is smaller. What's happening here? If I may. <laughs> Please. First of all, definitely see you to Marsh Cryptid. That's been decided. <laughs> if you need it. Breaking if you're news. Driving, Utica Marsh Cryptid. <laughs> first discussed on Sinisterhood. UMC. Um, if you can't stop your car right now to look at our social media, I'm going to help you out. It looks <laughs> statuesque wise, body shape, height wise. It looks like Pennsylvania Senator John Fetterman. <laughs> <laughs> She oh, I just took a drink of water and nearly spit it all over my keyboard. <laughs> just because it's quite tall, quite broad. It is a, you know, he's an imposing figure. He's massive. And it doesn't mm-hmm. look like there's hair on top. Although, it no, looks it like. No, it does look bald or just a head. Yeah, like, or just a head. But it would be like if he was dressed in like a leather daddy outfit. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it looks like it's got, um. Like a vest or protective clothing on almost like a Batman suit, except for the legs. It's like pantaloons that stop above the knee. (laughs) It's like I wanted to wear my whole Batman suit, but I wore the Capri cutoff version because it's 80 (laughs) degrees. It's quite hot and I can kick better with the short version. It kind of does look like a Batman now that I, except there's no pointy bat ears on the head. Oh, wait a minute. Does Batman also have a cape? I don't see a cape here, so it's it's not a full Batman, but it's he's got kind of a Batmanish look. He wasn't full Batmaning; he was just half <laughs> he's half Manning, half Batmaning. Well, if it is over near uh, like a cave area, maybe he's going to the Batcave. I don't know where he's Damn. leaving it. I don't know. That's I what I was it. trying to think. I was like, could it be like an opening to something? Because, but when you look at the far off picture, it looks even more like a person. It's or a creature. Horrible. I won't say a person, a creature. Yeah, I hate it. It's weird. The legs are skinny. The shoulders are broad. I bet if someone's listening, I've been noticing <laughs> it's a, about a different subject matter. But with the use of measurements and ratios and measuring close, it's everybody is talking about how Ron DeSantis wears high heel boots inside yes. of his cowboy boots. And like <laughs> they've measured his tibia and fibula and like his, his thigh bone. There are scientists out there that can help us out and help mm-hmm. measure this cryptid and help us using like the pole, the telephone pole, help us figure out how tall it is. Oh, and maybe that's a good idea. Like the leg to height ratio. Like uh, I bet calling all scientists, I know we've got, 
all of our listeners are have a superpower. So I'm calling on the ones with the ratio measurement superpower. That can <laughs> you know who you, you are. You know who you are. This is why you, you went like, to graduate school. <laughs> you got a protractor on your desk and you're like, I've been waiting for this day. <laughs> Print the photos That's out. a good point, though, because there are a lot of telephone poles right next to it. So that is a good, like, scale that you yes, could use. Yes, there's no banana, but we can go there telephone none, pole for no scale. no banana. I'm going to assume this is a regular-sized telephone pole. I'm just sweating about this. It is. That, this is one of the creepier photos we've been sent. Yeah, I hate and it. And thank hate you it so for much. that. It was, I was very excited to get it. Yeah. This is a Friday the 13th kind of photo. Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, well, we'll put it on social media, and y'all let us know. Uh, help us define the creatures, of, the features of the Utica Marsh cryptid, because we look forward to an entire episode about it. <laughs> if you're up there and you know where this is, just be careful. Go check, and maybe you'll ride up on it on a bicycle, and you see that it's got juggalo paint on his face, and you make a new friend. <laughs> Yell if you're that far away from it in a park. Go hoo hoo, or what are you supposed whoop, to say? That's an owl sound. (laughs) (laughs) That's mine. It's like I'm the Pillsbury Doughboy with Juggalo. Yourself like an owl. (laughs) It's a Juggalo owl face on the Pillsbury Doughboy body going. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Uh, well, now you know we're going to be for Halloween, so that's cool. (laughs) I had another costume, and I'll have two. (laughs) Nice. Um, all right. Well, uh, yeah, please send in, uh, in any measurements you all can help us with. We need some help. We've got a legit mystery to solve now. We can do it. We can. Sinisterhood Nation. Nation, we're calling on you. (laughs) 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 Well, thank you, BB. Sinisterhood, we'll be right back. This last one's from Casey, and the subject line is, something's got a hold on grandma. Hey, y'all. My name is Casey. First, let me sing my praises from these Appalachian Hills about how much I love your podcast. Your humor, creativity, and weirdness drew me in. Yes, even your first 12 episodes. (laughs) Ha ha. And I get so stoked when I see that little blue dot pop up next to your name on Spotify. Thanks for all you do. You've helped me laugh through the hardest times of my life. So, as you may have guessed, this story is about my grandma that I'm certain was possessed. Let me preface this by saying, Grandma had Alzheimer's disease. There are, however, some things that she did even the doctors couldn't attribute to the Alzheimer's. Those are the things I'm writing about. Everything I'm writing here today has little or no rhyme or reason to it. My grandma could hardly walk because of her hips. She needed a cane or walker to get from point A to point B, which is a detail that will make this story a whole lot scarier. Let's crack into it. This all started when my little sister and I would spend the night at my grandparents' house. Things would be great during the day and in the evening, but when it hit the witching hour is when all hell would break loose. Grandma and Grandpa lived in a ranch-style house that was kind of shaped like a horseshoe on the inside. It started with the hearth room, a living room with a fireplace and kitchen. Then it led into a dining room and sitting room, a living room for decoration, that wrapped around into the hallway, which had the sewing room, guest bathroom, and guest bedroom, across from a bathroom, and finally, my grandparents' bedroom at the very end. My sister and I would share a bed in the guest bedroom with the door cracked and a nightlight on in the hallway because grandma's house was haunted as hell. I'm talking shadow figures, disembodied voices, etc. One night, when I would believe I was eight and my sister Bon was six, I woke up to fast thudding down the carpet hallway that turned into a slapping of bare feet against the kitchen tile. 
cold silence filled the air. I was lying there, wide-eyed in the stillness. Before my mind could wander too far into the possibility of ghosts or intruders, the footsteps barreled back around to the hallway and into my grandparents' room. I was again frozen, but I couldn't shut my eyes. This was the first time I had experienced anything like this. I nearly jumped out of my skin when my sister whispered, Did you hear that? Yeah, I did, but I don't know what it was, I replied. We huddled together as tensions rose, peeking over the covers to witness whatever the hell was running down the hallway. As if on cue, Grandma came fleeing from the darkness at an unnatural pace. When she reached the kitchen, we heard cabinet doors flying open and pots and pans clanging about in a panic frenzy. We laid there shaking as this went on for what felt like forever, but in all reality, it was probably about 10 minutes. As Grandma came back around the hallway for the last time, she stopped dead in her tracks before our doorway, just out of sight. She intently stepped into the crack of our door and just stared. She had no emotion, yet she radiated this clinging sense of dread. We pretended to be asleep, but Grandma knew we could see her just as much as she could see us. She stood there, eyes fixed on us. The scariest part of all this was the absence of any sound. You'd think after a woman who can hardly walk on her own, runs a marathon, she'd be out of breath, but you couldn't even hear that. Eventually, I whispered, Grandma, are you okay? And Bond started to cry. Without a word, she slowly turned her whole body and almost glided back into her bedroom where my grandpa peacefully slept, slamming the door behind her. Needless to say, the rest of the night was filled with confusion, tears, and not a wink of sleep. The next morning, my dad came over for breakfast and took us home. We told him everything on the drive back. Though my dad was a big believer in the paranormal, he was a paranormal investigator. He chalked our story up to a sugar-fueled nightmare that one of us had, and we were just psyching each other out. This was the explanation for years, until he saw it for himself. When I had just started middle school and Bond had started fifth grade, the three of us, dad and us girls, were backing out of grandmother's long driveway in our 1984 one-bench pickup after a Sunday night full of fried chicken, biscuits, and stories of days back in the mountains. Grandpa had passed at this point, and the family was really trying to keep grandma busy and in good spirits. As we'd leave, Grandma would always wave us off, shut the garage door, turn off the light, and go inside. This time was different. She'd completed the normal routine when the garage light came back on by itself. Grandma opened the door leading into the garage with that same blank expression, then proceeded to run inhumanly fast from one end of the garage to the other while her arms remained at her side. Dad slammed on the brakes, hollering out, Holy shit! Bon and I began to point and yell, this is what she does at night. Grandma runs around the house like that. Needless to say, we never spent the night there again, and Dad was a firm believer in his mother's possible possession. He even speculated that there might be an entity that was using my grandma's likeness to freak us all out. A few years later, when I was in sophomore year, Grandma was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. She was hardly able to recognize any of the family anymore, so we had to make the unfortunate decision to put her in a nursing home. The place seemed promising at first, but after only a few months of being there, Grandma tried to get out of bed by herself and broke her femur in the fall. After she healed, she stayed in a place that specialized in the care of Alzheimer's patients. Naturally, we had to move Grandma out of her house and go through the furniture she kept for her little apartment in her new facility and figure out what to do with the plentiful family heirlooms left over. We found out a lot of family secrets during that time including that my grandparents' wedding anniversary wasn't their real wedding anniversary, 
and a whole host of other secrets. During the spilling of the new family tea, all the weird paranormal happenings were brought up, and the grandma might be possessed talk started. Apparently, this suspicion ran much deeper than Bon and I thought. Not only were we not the only ones to have encounters like this with grandma, but two of my aunts and our dad came forward with stories about bad arguments they'd be in with my grandma when suddenly she'd stop, her mouth would drop open, her eyes would get huge, and all three of them said her pupils looked like they expanded over her entire eye. Her eyes looked black. Keep in mind, none of them told anyone, not even each other. I have chills as I'm typing this because everyone had just assumed they were dreaming or what they had experienced never happened at all, and they imagined it. Shortly after the house was cleaned out, my dad hired a medium to come do a walkthrough of Grandma's house. Usually, she would have walked alone, but she requested my dad stay in the house because of how anxious it made her. We made sure she didn't know anything about the house, and there was no furniture or anything that could sway her since everything was now in storage. We wanted an absolutely clean read. Like I said, Dad was a paranormal investigator. He was meticulous when it came to investigation. It took him months just to find a medium he felt confident about. As the medium walked through, she said the further back into the house you got, the more terrifying it felt, which is exactly what all of us had felt for years. She sensed a few presences, but the one she was most worried about was, get ready, the demon in the sewing room that had an attachment to an old woman. This woman had never met my grandmother. She wasn't even from our small town. She had absolutely no way of knowing my grandmother had ever lived there because my dad told her the house was his. The medium said she was very unnerved by grandma's house and urged us to have it blessed. If my memory serves me, it was cleansed, but I'm not sure by who. The attachment didn't go away, though. It hung around until grandma passed, and to be honest, I think whatever it was is now at my aunt's house. I don't think it was a coincidence how it's the aunt that my grandma took her worst rage out on. Grandma was extremely abusive to my aunts and dad, but the Alzheimer's flipped her personality and made her the sweetest possessed old lady. Go figure. My dad ended up selling the house because no one in the family wanted to live there after finding out about everything that was in there. Dad tried to warn the new couple moving in that the place was haunted, but they didn't believe him. Sometimes I wonder if they've ever had any weird happenings. I know this was a lot, but thank y'all for reading it even if it doesn't make it on the podcast. This is the abridged version, if you can believe it. <laughs> Again, y'all are wonderful. Keep on keeping on with this amazing podcast. Maybe next time I'll tell you about my grandma's haunted doll she passed down to Bon and I upon her death. Give my best to Tommy, Paris, all the littles, and the pets. Sincerely yours, Casey. P.S. Below I've attached pictures of my sister and I in the old truck, us with grandma, and one with my dad. Well... This is straight out of a horror movie. The unnatural running of someone that shouldn't be able to do that is, yeah. that is uh, eerie to say the least. I just like a parenthetical. My dad, he's a paranormal investigator, of course. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> what the fuck, man? <laughs> open with that. No, but for real, you're right. Like thinking about like an arms down and especially knowing, oh, well, grandma has to have a walker. Like she mm -hmm. can't walk into here like... Like coming through the house, you're like, yeah, who's no, running that fast? And then no. if she stands your outside your door, like <laughs> you're like, hi, grandma, and it's like, <laughs> and just turns around, like, oh, no, I hate, I hate all of it. I hate all of it. It reminds it. me of, um, even though this movie was terrible, but there's a scene in the happening 
that mm-hmm. this kind of reminds me of and didn't like that either. Nah, anybody Oof. with like blacked out eyeballs, mm-hmm. I turn into, is that Beaker from Muppets with the upturned mouth? Like, mm-mm, I don't like it. <laughs> mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. It's the running for me, especially with the hands <sighs> at your side. Because Alzheimer's can do a lot of things. I don't think it can make you be able to walk better than you used to be able to, unless I suppose if the reason you couldn't walk was something mental only. Yeah, I was going to say, I've had, I mean, I had to go through training at legal aid to work with, you know, older adults, especially like spotting signs and stuff. And in my experience working with people with Alzheimer's and dementia diseases, the personality flip is right. That's very common where you were like nice your whole life and out of nowhere, you've hit your wife or scream in her face or vice versa. Like you're a huge asshole. And then it's just like, I love you. And it's just whatever reason, but that the physicality I've seen where it's like an 80 year old woman has was able to climb on her cat kitchen counter and was like standing on her kitchen counter, but she was like reasonably, she wasn't, didn't use a walker. She didn't use any other assistive aids to walk with. So it's weird that she was able to climb up there, but it wasn't like, Oh, and then she backflipped off of it. You know, it's like she could walk, she could inch herself up and kind of hump her, you know, like kind of get yourself up on stuff. So she was like more active, but to hear grandma here was like, I can't move. I can't, you know, a real lack of mobility to go from that to a full running sprint. Sprinting. If, if you're a neurologist and you've seen this, like right into yeah, us, because maybe we're sure. wrong. But I imagine if you have like a physical hip ailment where you you aren't going to be able to just run through that. I don't know. And if you can, you know, why when grandma, are you okay? Is asked a simple, yeah, sweetie, I'm fine. Yeah. Would suffice. Not turning, s- gliding back into your room and it's slamming gliding. the door behind you. Yeah, Unless, certainly. I mean, Casey said up top that none of these things had to do with Alzheimer's. So yeah. I don't know what I don't I don't have an explanation for this. No, yeah. And all the Alzheimer's patients I've interacted with, it's it just varies. Everybody's it's different, but this specific the sprinting and then not being out of breath also is weird. Cause it's like, okay, even if she was like having, and that was years before she was diagnosed and you can have mm-hmm. early symptoms and signs, but that severe, significant overnight kind of a thing. And then, yeah, that's eerie. I couldn't run around my house right now and then sit Today. back down and not be out of breath. No, not at all. Anybody, especially if you're 80 or whatever, you're going to mm-hmm. be like, <sighs> and I'm confused. I don't know where I'm at. That's fair. But yeah. Oh, so eerie. And then yeah. for dad to see it too, to be like, well, we expected you to turn the light off and go inside. What the I'm fuck? glad that he did see it. So right? it was, you know, the whole, but then you find out, okay, the whole family kind of has stories and we just haven't been sharing them. So Mm-mm. also- your dad 100% looks like a paranormal investigator yeah. in the best way possible. I oh, would yeah. love to go ghost hunting with this man. That beard, the walking I'm, stick, come on. I'm here to listen. I want to go on whatever this photo was taken of him on this walk. I want to take this walk with him and hear him tell me whatever he wants to tell me about trees, ghosts, spirits of the mountain ghosts, whatever's out here. I want to know oh, about some it. good looking moss on that tree. I'll tell you that. Touch that tree. You know I love a mossy tree. Yeah, Ooh. get up there and touch it. But mm-hmm. well, thank you, Casey, for sharing this. That is, uh, those are some eerie instances the black eyes and the running with the hands down by the side Mm -hmm. yeah i don't like it well that's friday the 13th heather i think this was one of our freakiest fridays yet and we couldn't have done it without you picture gotcha (laughs) still i'm glad i was able to we had 
the picture and then I uh, a still yet another story. So we didn't just end the episode on me screaming <laughs> a bunch of times uh, about that. But actually, Casey, if you don't mind showing your dad the Utica Marsh scripted and just oh, give his opinion yeah. on it, I'd like to know Please. what he thinks. This is what we do. We bring together all the Freaky Friday submitters, and then we got a a hive mind going on. Nice. Uh, Yeah, let us know his thoughts on what he thinks these stories are, because they're so... Y'all, this was... These are... Every story we get every week is... It's fantastic because it's a story you want to tell. But for Friday the 13th, the unknown, the weird, the well, the like ephemeral between what's real and what's imagined, you guys knocked it out of the park. And you are story concierge, Christy Wallace. You knocked it out of the park with creating this lineup. Well, thank you so much. I didn't, I, y'all make it easy. So thank you everyone that sent in your stories. And if you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot or the Utica Marsh cryptid. Maybe you've seen a UFO. We got several flying around. They're also in people's bedrooms. You had a brush or two crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being. Grandma? Send them in at sinisterhood.com slash freaky Friday. If you like our free episodes, you'll love our Patreon bonus content. You can join for free to see what we're up to next or dive into over 500 hours of bonus content. We have a mini-sode coming up about a very interesting case of a woman that escaped from a serial killer. Yeah, you you know, it's you rare. never want to get abducted by anyone, but then to get abducted and realize the person that abducted you has killed at least five, maybe 10, maybe 30 people heinously before you uh, end up sitting in the passenger seat as they drive you around in your own car and what she did in the aftermath. It was quite a story. And you can also head to sinisterhood.com and click shop on the top banner where you can check out all new Sinisterhood merch, like our new beanie for the winter with the Sinisterhood logo right across the front to keep you all noggin warm. We also have cozy sweaters, mugs for some hot cocoa, as well as t-shirts, stickers, and even clothes for your kiddos. So go to sinisterhood.com, click shop on the top banner. I love the crew neck. It's very cute with the keep it creepy ghost. Yes. And it's like, yeah, very on trend, but just cozy. And it's, I've heard it's going to be a really cold winter. This is what I've been hearing from people that look stuff up online and then tell me that it's going (laughs) to be a really cold winter. (laughs) Christy's been, she's been cracking open the farmer's almanac. She knows what's coming. You joke, but when I got married, I legit looked up the farmer's almanac for a year in advance so I could see what the weather was supposed to be like in our area to know if I could do an outdoor wedding or not. And it went well. It went perfect. It did. It was great weather, honestly. Uh, and you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod. Like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. We're also on YouTube and TikTok at Sinisterhood Podcast. And on Cameo, where you can book us to do a custom video shout out for you. We can say happy birthday, happy Halloween, happy Friday, uh, or any message you want us to deliver. Uh, go to Cameo.com and search Sinisterhood. Where are you at, Christy? I am at Christy and Wallace on Instagram. And Christy or GTFO on TikTok, Heather, where are you? Well, um, generally on the internet, I'm at Heather versus the world. And today on Freakiest of Friday the 13th, we will both be somewhere tonight at 7 o'clock. If everybody oh, wants that's to come. true. Yes. And just a very quick 7 o'clock tonight, if you're in Carrollton, we're going to be at Newman Smith High School doing a little pop-in for their production of Clue. Our friend Lindsay is the theater director there. We want to help them out with a little fundraising to support 
their Title I uh, school's theater program. It's a completely self-funded theater program with a 73% uh, under the poverty level enrollment and 91% minority enrollment rate. So it's a really deserving school that is not as funded as other ones around it. And us two theater nerds want to do what we can to help them raise funds. So check out the link in our episode description if you want to kick a couple bucks their way. And if you're in Carrollton Farmer's Branch, watch us become the detectives in Clue tonight (laughs) at (laughs) 7. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sin is-